How you doing? How's your mom? My mom passed away. Oh my God. Sorry. It's okay. There was no way for you to know. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it escalated. <laughs> but so I'm, if I had a bunch of prep to do, if I just looked at the invite, I totally didn't do it. So I can do it after. Honey, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's shit. Like I was coming to Winnipeg to set her up maybe for treatment. She went to the hospital and like didn't come out. She was like, we've been waiting. We were waiting and waiting and waiting for a diagnosis. I'm just going to go get a tissue. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We can also reschedule. Like, I mean, it's just like, it's fucked because she was told you might have cancer, but it's in the liver, but we can't diagnose you because we don't know where it st which started. So we can't treat you. And it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And when you talked to me last, my mom was in between hospital visits when yeah. we talked. Yeah. And I almost took her to the ER. Like I canceled a whole bunch of stuff and we got her in with an appointment. She went to the doctor. She couldn't, her pain, like her voice disappeared. Her, she was yellow. Basically we went to the doctor. They stuck her in an ambulance and sent her to the hospital. And we did not have an official diagnosis, but a, the ER doctor called me and they're like, your mom has pancreatic cancer. It has spread to the point where we're just going to be able to make her comfortable. There's nothing we can do. You have maybe a couple of weeks left to the next day, the doctor coming in. And I looked at the doctor. I'm like, are you sure it's a couple of weeks? Cause I think it's a couple of days. And he's like, I think you're right. My mom went into the hospital on the Friday and then died like early, early hours, Tuesday. Oh my God. And she was 62, like no other health issues, but like the, it's just like really frustrating because she's been going to the doctor for months and like, they're like, you have cancer in your liver, but we can't treat you because we don't know where it started. And like then to not being able to be treated and dying. And like, you know, I'm 35. My sister just turned 32 yesterday. We both live in different parts of Canada. Like I'm in BC, she's in Ontario. And right now I'm in Winnipeg. And like our dad's in palliative care. Our parents are divorced. So it just like this completely came out of nowhere. Like, and I'm the older sister and like the executor of the estate. So like on top of running a business, you know, we're packing up a house that we've had for 23 years and dealing with all the paperwork and lawyers and, you know, so you want to talk about resilience and being an entrepreneur while doing all of this. So I'm a little <laughs> bit shell-shocked. So sorry, I was kind of expecting something completely different, of course. Um, and yes, we were specifically going to talk about resilience today being such an apt um you know need uh, my gut instinct is we should go for it i think we should i'm, I'm ready i put makeup on just in, <laughs> like i i i'm ready like if i couldn't do it i would cancel okay i just i i caught okay. you off guard and made you upset but i think i was reading your email and i watched your videos this morning and i was like i think i understand but i wanted to just see because I think there's a really important story here about being an entrepreneur and going through the really hard stuff in life and just a little bit of a backup. And I'm going to, I'll give a trigger warning when we're talking about this. So it's a bit heavier, but it's who I am. I've had a business for almost 13 years. I'm 35. And just from the beginning of November till now, I was told I couldn't get pregnant. I got pregnant. I'm giving you a trigger warning. It's kind of heavy. Okay. Okay. And then November 3rd, we learned that my father-in-law, who was like the dad I never had, that he had cancer. 
10, uh, like an hour later, I was in the ER having a miscarriage. Three weeks later, he passed away from cancer. So we, we went from same thing as my mom. We learned he had cancer and then died three weeks later. And then this just happened with my mom. So I didn't even have a chance to deal with the miscarriage because we learned my father-in-law was so sick. And I went through that alone because my husband had to go be with his family in a different town in Kamloops. Didn't have to, but like had to like go yeah, be with your yeah, family. Yeah. So, and it's a pandemic. So I was alone for a miscarriage learning my father-in-law who was like, he was, he and I were planning a father-daughter kayak trip. Like he, I loved him like my own father. And then I was just starting to kind of feel like myself again. And then my mom suddenly got sick and left us while running a business that makes five figures a month. So let's do, I'm curious because let's talk about resilience, which was our original theme. It's just going to take a slightly different pivot given what, we, what we're talking about today or, the, or what's happening in our near environment. But there is a difference between being an entrepreneur and running your own business, as I see it, and you know, being able to, be, to ask for time off, right? Or oh my gosh. know that there are social your job is going to be there, right? There's income coming in. There is, you know, social systems in place to support, you know, the employee when crisis happens. And what I've found- as I'm a, listening. I just see something I want to fix. Yeah. As an entrepreneur or, or even a small, small business owner, you know, we don't have access to those social systems. We know there's nobody there when crisis hits and we need to take off two weeks or four weeks. And I, I mean, that's just a situational analysis um, for those of us who've you know, been entrepreneurs or owned our own business. But what can you share from your experience? Are we already interviewing? Is this already for the podcast? Oh, yeah. Let's just go for it. Okay. <laughs> well, so I've really learned that if I bring on clients that are aligned with my values, that when life gets really hard, they're there to support me. And the relationship with them isn't just transactional. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like I just mentioned, like the last three months have been very hard, right? I had one client that I was just starting to work with who wanted to work with me. I disappeared. Like I having the miscarriage and losing Dave in three weeks, I fell apart. And I just couldn't bring myself to like do more than the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. or what I like to call the Blair minimum. <laughs> and so there was two people I was talking to. One of them, like eventually I resurfaced, apologized, explained what happened. And they wanted to work with me. And the other person, we decided it wasn't a good fit because of the way the situation was handled on both parties. So I think it's really important that when you're working with people, if you can, you, you choose who you're with through thick and thin, right? It's mm -hmm. some clients are with you for a project or for four years, right? And who do you want to be with you by your side? Yes, you don't need to like go for coffee and like spill all the tea with them or whatever. But during the last two weeks or even further, because I was in Winnipeg, I am in Winnipeg and I was here to help my mom while running a business. And um, then it, it escalated. Like there was a very terrible plot twist to her passing away. I emailed the clients that I was working with and they all understood. And it wasn't like they were losing anything. I said, don't worry. Instead, we'll meet in a couple of weeks and I'll, we'll meet for a longer time and I'll extend our contract. 
but they get it. So there's an interesting concept here for me because I'm flashing back in my mind to, uh, you know, your family is your family, right? You're they're they're yours by blood. You're stuck with them through thick and thin in in most in healthy relationships. Uh, and and where there might be, you know, a not so healthy people are pretty good within their family of setting up boundaries or they should be. And maybe boundaries is one of the secrets, right? Um, but once you talk friends, which is your, I describe it as your chosen family, right? You're tr- really, they're the ones that are outside of your bloodlines that are your chosen family. Once you talk who you want to be in business with, there seems to be the relationship, uh, I call it relationship economics, right? These are people that you're choosing to be in business with because you can accelerate them. You can be of service to them. They can be of service to you. It is this synchronicity of your blending of their needs and your solutions and vice versa. And sometimes those are the most important relationships. And people forget to, you know, look at those relationships. They think about clients as their cash flow, their ticket to freedom. Whereas you're suggesting an alternative. And yeah, I just, I want to interject because while learning a lot about my mom through the eyes of her coworkers, so my mom was a dental hygienist. Okay, I would like to say she was an entrepreneur. Yes, and I think entrepreneurs are really important because those are the people who basically work within an organization but take control and basically act as if they're an entrepreneur but in someone else's, you know, company. <laughs> my mom was a dental hygienist at this one office, East Kildonan Dental Group in Winnipeg, for twenty nine years. A lot of the patients. A, a fair amount of patients have been going to her for almost 29 years. And it's because once or twice a year, my mom would clean their teeth. They, you know, learned about me and my sister, but they kept coming back because they built a connection. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, my mom being there for so long, like, she, you know, top dental hygienist, like people were coming back, didn't want to see other people. So she built up a following. She built up a loyal customer base with really, you know, with her mad teeth cleaning skills. But, you know, that's a perfect example for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. What are you going to do to have that connection? So when someone makes, you know, wants to make a purchasing decision, they're choosing you. And what are you going to do so that they keep choosing you? And just, you know, talking to you is reminding me like, because we're starting to get cards and messages from people. Hey, you've never met me. Your mom has been cleaning my teeth for 20 years. I've watched you grow up. I'm so, so proud of you, the woman you're becoming. I'm going to miss your mom so much. And strangers are coming out and messaging us and sending us cards. Wow. How are you going to be that person that when you go, you're leaving a legacy, <laughs> right? So breeding entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs within companies, I think is an actual strategy. Um, and uh, it's very difficult. To, uh, and again, I call it the relationship economy is breeding your or creating autonomy within your organization for the persons, people who are frontline to make those connections uh, like Zappos. They they allow all of their frontline workers to have control the full entire customer experience and then be able to offer feedback to, you know, the the person next door to them who's controlling maybe assets or or infrastructure or or software 
um, to, you know, there's a feedback loop. So really building an autonomy and building this subset of entrepreneurs in a company, I think is an absolutely essential strategy for companies going forward. Um, and, and I say companies, I mean organizations, I mean nonprofits, I mean all of them. Anybody who's in, the, in business earning money in order to, you know, be a functioning contributor to society and, and understanding what your legacy is, I think is really key. Right? What is the experience that you want others to have as they engage with you? Do you want, is it, it uh, and I call it power play. And the reason I call it power play is because there's only really two states of, of being. You're either suffering or you're in a pleasure state. And when you're in suffering, you can't, you know, you're just getting through, right? Once you either are, are at rest where you're open to new ideas or you're on, on the breakthrough side of things um, where you're playing, you're powerful, you're pleasure, you're, you're supportive of each other, right? All of those connection pieces really happen. A lot of them happen in the pleasure, pleasure side of being. What's your experience there when, you know, in your relationships with clients, you know, if you're suffering versus being productive and playing? Um, so I'm in the communications realm, you know, I am a storyteller. I empower entrepreneurs and marketers to tell their stories in the digital space. That's what I do. I am, I've been doing it for a while and I have this thing where I, I would say maybe it's a gift where if I'm passionate about something, I can, I can get you passionate about it too. And my job is to teach my clients how to do that. So I like to work with clients who are already in that positive state you know, like, I guess coming from a communication side, you know, there's the reactive and the proactive, right? Um, I like to be very proactive. I like to be very proactive, but life happens, right? So what do you do when you're in that survival state? What did you call it? It's suffering, Suffer. right? You're, you're on this side of the pool, whether it's boredom, frustration, you know, right. pain, fear, all of those. And, you know, I, th I think everyone's different, but my business and my life are what, like people work with me because they want to work with me and they want my skills to help them up level their business. And what if I'm going through stuff, they watch me go through it. But a couple things have really helped me. One what I've learned is no matter what, in hindsight, there's always a silver lining and there's always a lesson. So even while I'm in the darkest position, you know, during a situation like right now, just losing my mother a couple weeks ago, I'm already starting to find some silver linings. And yes, this is the darkest cloud. Mm -hmm. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I can do hard stuff. And I'm surviving this moment by moment. But little things are popping up that are silver linings. And because I've gone through so many situations, I just know when I'm feeling at my lowest in my business or my personal life, I know that once I move through it, I'll be able to start seeing that silver lining. I'll be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you move through life with those lessons. You don't forget them. They become part of you and you become stronger and your business becomes stronger and more people want to work with you because they see how resilient you are. They see that you move through a really hard challenge you can probably help me move through a really hard challenge. Absolutely. And I think if, 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 if anything is portrayed here today, that's what I wanted to share about your story is, you know, that you are resilient. You don't, you don't just talk about resilience. You are resilient. And I think that's part of, 
um, your your purpose is to you know support people who through through business resilience. Tell me a little bit about what specifically you're doing, not just working with clients, but your side project. Your side. Project. Yeah. So first of all, I just want you to think about resilience as a muscle that goes through your entire body. We all have the ability to be resilient. We are born to be resilient. Mm -hmm. So I just want you to, you know, remember that you can do hard stuff. And so a little bit, um, a bit of a trigger warning. I mean, I'm talking about some heavy stuff, so that probably yeah. should have came at the beginning of the interview, but maybe you can, <laughs> you can let people we're, know. We're good. Trigger and um, so my father lives with addiction and he and my mom divorced when I was little, I was seven and I was really close with my dad. But when they divorced, I didn't know he was unwell and he was in and out of my life. And it caused a lot of heartbreak, confusion, sadness, anger, trust issues, anxiety, depression. Like I didn't understand it. I didn't respect myself. I didn't really like myself. I, there was a lot of mental health stuff that went on with my father's addiction um, and it, the way it impacted me. Um, but in my 20s, I decided that I didn't want to have that, those feelings anymore. And I went to this thing called the Landmark Forum. I worked for Lululemon Athletica for three and a half years. I was living in Edmonton at the time. And they said, do you want to go to Landmark? It's in Vancouver. And I was like, yeah, Vancouver, free trip. I didn't even care about Landmark. <laughs> I had no expectations, but something there clicked. And I remember going um, on a break to a grocery store um, in an aisle using my mom's calling card I memorized and calling my dad. And I had the tools to forgive him. Something clicked and I was able to just accept him for who he is, accept whatever relationship he was able to give me and just forgive him. And I, you know, we shared some words. I cried my face off in public. And then we continued the conversation in private later on while I was back at my hotel. And we started to develop this really beautiful relationship. Now, what I really learned, this is just a sidebar, is my dad's an entrepreneur. He used to be a diamond dealer before he got sick. He was very innovative. And beginning of my career, I didn't really know much about that. I'm actually a lot like him when it comes to business. So it's super cool to, to, to know that because he was very successful. So, um, but we got to know each other and he started to come from Winnipeg to Vancouver to visit me. I got to know him. I started to understand who he was and we started to develop a really beautiful relationship. And it wasn't the relationship I always wanted as a kid. It's just a relationship I was able to accept you know, calling me, texting me, visiting me. It was great. He got to walk me down the aisle. But at the end of 2018, we learned that he was terminally ill with COPD and lung cancer. And I felt robbed. I felt like the wind was sucked out mm -hmm. of my sails or whatever the saying is. And um, I started telling my story. So I started going for coffee with friends, just like, you know, I have like this gift of verbal diarrhea. And I just this is the story. This is what happened. This is how I'm feeling. And what was happening was that people were getting back to me. Blair, after the coffee date with you, I went and made an appointment with a therapist. I'm really inspired. Uh, Blair, I, I heard your story and I just flew across the country and forgave my dad before he dies. And I was like, oh, we got we got something here. In wow. fact, I actually just went for a walk with a girlfriend who said that she shared my story with one of her friends and her friend left her husband because she was in such an unhappy marriage. And she's like, your friend Blair inspired me and I'm going to live my best life. Whoa. Don't Whoa. tell, don't tell the husband. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I was like, dad, like, you, you know what, this legacy of yours, you know, I know we didn't have the best relationship. I know we have something like decent now, but why don't we use our story of forgiveness, addiction, resilience to inspire others? Why don't we tell our story and gather other stories and write a book?
when I say we, it's it's not him, it's me. But let's tell our let's tell our stories because growing up, like in the eighties and nineties, when you had an addiction, it was swept under the rug. It wasn't talked totally. about, totally. and so you know. And I'm like, well, millennial, like I'm a geriatric millennial. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to let you all know how I feel. Let's change the stigma. That's how it is. And I grew up in the Jewish community of Winnipeg and like things are changing, but it's, a, you know, everyone knows each other. Everyone knows each other's business. And it's like that in any tight knit community. And so I think it's really important to talk about the hard stuff so we can support each other. And so my dad said, that's a great idea. I was like, I guess I should start a website to collect stories. So I started a website. I'm like, I guess I need social media. So I started social media and the I Am Resilient project was born. And so the website is IamResilient.info. Now that was two years ago this March. So now it's about two years ago. So my dad is still alive. He's yeah, in palliative yeah. care. The goal is to get the book out before he moves on. I mean, we started it because we learned he was dying and we're ending it right after my mom passed away. So it's a really kind of interesting journey we've been on. When I say we have actually brought my sister into the project, Alana, she's my project manager and she's also a therapist. So she's a child and family therapist. We've gathered stories from all over the world, like New Zealand, all over the States, Europe, all over Canada. Stories are coming in on our website. Anyone can submit a story. Every story should be told. And we're picking about 52 stories to publish in our first book. But every story that comes in is told on our website and social media. The past couple of weeks, we've taken a bit of hiatus so we can be present with our family. But starting Monday, we're going to be starting to tell stories again. And we're just working on our first book that hopefully will be out in the next few months. And what experience do you are you looking to create for the people? And I, really, I see two key the contributors right? The part of the journey is actually the contribution and, and participating, but also the end reader. What, what are you hoping to achieve? Yeah. So our community, the I'm resilient community is a place where people can come and share stories or read stories of resilience to help them move through their challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, when I've been in the darkest times of my life, like the miscarriage, I Googled, I didn't know what to do, how to have a business And have a miscarriage, like how to run a business and have a miscarriage. Like I didn't, I I did not know what to do. (laughs) Right. Like, and so then I wrote an article, I wrote an article about it. (laughs) I I think I want to be a resource. So when you're in a, in a place of, of hard times that, you know, that there's this resource that you can go through and you can read about people's challenges and how they overcame them and their words of advice, because every story includes words of advice for someone going through something similar. Okay. And wow, it's fantastic. super empowering. But also, if you are open to share and you don't have to share your name, you can be anonymous. Telling your story is extremely therapeutic, whether you write it in a journal, talk to a therapist or put it on the Internet for the world to see. Like I do. You know, it, it's very therapeutic. You should never keep everything bottled up inside. And I'm a writer like my therapist told me, you know, when you have big feelings, write. And so, I, I you know, I'm obviously working through a lot of stuff. So I'm writing when I have the energy. But um, if you are open to telling your story, some people, you, you know, writing your story for the I'm Resilient Project, it might be your 10th time telling it. Some people, it's the first time they've ever said it, not even t- told, like, telling their friends or family. Okay. We exist so you can heal. We exist wow. so you can help other people heal. That's it. And I started it because it was helping me heal. I was starting it because it was helping the people in my life heal. We also do well. we were doing in-person events. We were doing um, uh, like panel discussions where people shared their stories and we were raising funds and awareness for um, counseling assistance programs, 
Unfortunately, with COVID, we um, postponed three events, one in Toronto, one in Pemberton, one in Whistler. Um, We pivoted and did an interview series. So just like we're doing now, but we did it on Facebook and YouTube. And we were just in the middle of working on a podcast, but we paused that for the time being and just going to focus on um, some healing and writing our book. Awesome. Well, and what's what's the timeline for the book? Um, Did you say you're still accepting some contribution? Yes. So we are always accepting contributions. Always. Like if I if I wake up tomorrow and there's 300 stories in there, we will probably put out a second book right after the first book. Like it's a project. There's no end goal, beginning goal. But my goal is to get at least the first book out, you know, by spring and spring is now. Obviously, I had a bit of a a bump in the road, but um, we have most of the stories we'd like to contribute. And we're kind of at that, you know, in a really fun, creative process. So potentially in the, you know, in the next couple months. So where are we March? Yeah. Like May or June. And are you taking, uh, uh, who would you like to purchase the book? So we've got the contributors, which you know what, whether you ever sell a book, the, the therapeutic process of contribution, I think is justifies the project. What about the readers? Who do you think should use uh, use it as an end consumer, but potentially also organizations or institutions that, you know, have the same goal is to help their people heal? Yeah. So the, my vision for the book is like a beautiful hardcover book with these stories. And each story has a photo or an image and the story. And uh, we've divided it into different sections. You're going to have to wait till the book comes out. <laughs> But I think it's a beautiful book that can wait, um, be on coffee tables. So, I mean, I'm assuming the world is going to start to open up and in waiting rooms, there'll be magazines and books again. But I think every, you know, every sort of office, dental office, doctor's office, therapy office, you know, lunchroom, anywhere where a coffee table lies, where people maybe take breaks is a great spot, but also your own homes. Maybe you have, you know, a family and you have teenagers I remember being a teenager going through some hard stuff because of my dad. What if I had a book where someone told me the story of their father having an addiction and that they wish they knew that their father loved them and not, Mm -hmm. you know, and not what I thought. So I think if you feel like, or you can anticipate, you know, teenage life or maybe the hard stuff in life, or I think really the book belongs on, you know, in everyone's home, but like, that's, you know, not possible. We're going to have a digital version. So, because for me, it's not about like, we don't make money. Like we'll make some money from the book sales, but we're still looking at which organization, but a a portion of the proceeds are going to get donated back to support mental health initiatives to support a Canadian company, um, at least for the first book, because we're in Canada. But the goal of the project is to help people. Yes. It's not to become a, a billionaire. It's to help people. Like I have a business. I make my income through my communications company. This is how I give back. I've been giving back since I was a child. I'm volunteering, donating my time, donating my services, donating money, whatever it is I'm able to give back. I've helped refugee fam- a refugee family come to Pemberton. I've volunteered with Ovarian Cancer Canada. I'm always of service. I love to be of service. My business is of service too, but that is for profit. This book is about helping others. I have had a very difficult journey with my family. I'm still in the middle of a difficult situation, but reading people's stories that come through the stuff that people have survived and thrived through and their words of advice, even though some situations have nothing to do with the situation I'm in, have helped me. 
Well, and it's interesting you say that. Uh, I, I want to explore one idea with with you, and that is the 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 business that I'm in concept, which is transactional, and then the additional service that I provide. Um, you know, for for me, I've been working with Canada's podcast two and a half years, and I say that, and this is my passion project. This is this is what I do for for free, right? To help entrepreneurs network their story, read their story. And pre-pandemic, I was in, you know, I'm building innovation hubs and co-working spaces. Uh, and the, the transactional business model was on-demand meeting event and office space, which, you know, pretty much ground to a zero halt. Um, you know, and I, and I could see that this, this had a longevity to it, um, the pandemic right away. So, Ironically, it was one of um, one of the interviewees uh, in Vancouver that talked about coming out of a bear economy and really taking these tools, quickly assessing where you're at in the market, assessing your cash flow, and see how long can you, you know, how long can you hemorrhage, if you like, your your highest expenses of labor and and rent, let's say. And so I made a quick decision very quickly to exit stage left and put everything behind me as structured as possible to keep the momentum and flow in the in the essential business pieces. Uh, and I've pivoted myself to going, why don't I just take, so my transactional basis is now coaching and working with commercial property owners in, you know, coming from a linear analog physicality of space uh, business into the digital world. So, you know, and becoming hybrid digital digital spaces, I call them e exponential organizations based on place. So that's my transaction. But this engagement and storytelling is really what I love and doing best. Hence, you know, my role here at Canada's podcast. So, um, you know, now we've shared each of our passion projects. And um, I, I just hope that we can get more stories. I, I don't have a story that I can contribute, but I can think of a lot of people that you know, could take advantage of your healing offer. So I hope that we get lots of lots of books and do maybe it will become a book series of, you know, what makes a what makes somebody resilient in Eastern Canada versus Western Canada versus a you know a um, remote community. What 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 do those look like? Depending on place, there might be a, an interesting, you know, evolution there. It could be like a chicken soup for the teenage soul style series. Maybe it's women. Maybe there's teenagers. Who knows? I mean, it's a project. Now, one thing I do have to say is that once I get the first book out, I need to probably grow my team a bit because I need to share some responsibility. I'm very big into manifestation. And, you know, 2019, my word was resilient and the universe is still testing how resilient I really am. So I think I need to share the resilience with people. Um, but uh, yeah, like the website has a submission form. It guides you into how to tell your story. So you don't need to be a creative writer. Some stories come in and they're three sentences. Some come in and they're 500 words. This is for you. And it guides you how to do it at IamResilient.info. So IamResilient.info is one great way to connect with you post-podcast. The other one, let's just touch quickly because I know, you know, in your transactional business, you work with, with companies in their engagement process, right? Once they know what their massive transformational purposes in themselves and their being of service you you identified um that you'd like the 
to be positive, but if you could wave a magic wand and say, hey, I wanna connect with this type of company or this niche, please connect with me post-podcast, well, who would they be? So my other business, Blair Kaplan Communications, there you can learn all about me, blairkaplan.ca. I have a podcast, I wrote a book, became a best-selling author in the pandemic. So I, you can just go there. I, don't take, I won't take up too much more of your ear time. But if you are like, whoa, Blair, I want to learn more about you and work with you. Are you the right person for me is I love working with entrepreneurs and marketers to empower them to tell stories and uplevel their social media skills. More specifically, passion driven businesses, not, oh, I just bought a Subway franchise, but I started this business because I had this dream and this helped me and I did this. I want to help you tell your story in the digital space, not only teaching you the skills, the technical skills on social media marketing and public relations, but empowering you to tell those stories and how to tell, not sell. Awesome. Blair, it has been an absolute pleasure. You, of course, triggered me off guard at the beginning, but I mean, that's part of our, our relationship, right? Is, is being vulnerable with each other. I appreciate getting to know you earlier before this podcast today. And I absolutely know we will keep in touch over time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored.